Welcome to the Holistic Psychiatry Podcast. I'm Courtney Snyder, a physician and holistic psychiatrist. In today's podcast, I'll be discussing the reality that there are many out there who are suffering from their doctor's inability to listen to them or to believe them when they describe complex symptoms or when they are not benefiting from or tolerating the treatment that has been recommended. Often, their doctors are prematurely determining what their problem is and assuming too often that their main problem is anxiety and or depression as opposed to a physical condition. Once it is decided that someone is anxious or depressed, any doors to seeing a specialist, getting specific lab testing, or further exploring their history and symptoms is closed. If a referral is made, it is often to a psychiatrist or therapist. Those who are especially vulnerable to this experience are those with complex chronic illness, including chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, Lyme disease or conditions related to Lyme co-infections, mold toxicity, heavy metal toxicity, and autoimmune conditions. But so have those, especially women, who have struggled with irritable bowel syndrome, migraines or other types of headaches, endometriosis, TMJ, chronic bladder pain, or really any other chronic pain condition. Mothers with children with unusual symptoms that may fall on to the autism spectrum diagnosis or autoimmune um, brain-related conditions also often experience not having their concerns heard or further explored by their physicians. In this podcast, I'll talk about how we got here and how the history of traditional medicine with its implicit gender bias, how hierarchy in medicine, how the undermethylated traits of physicians can contribute, and how symptom-focused medicine, which does not explore the root cause of medical conditions, which is primarily driven by the pharmaceutical industry, uh, which has significant profit motive, all contribute to doctor, the doctor-patient relationship that is often ineffective and at times abusive. Lastly, I'll talk about how we can all maintain our truth and find help for ourselves and or our children. To help you understand my perspective, if you're not familiar with my work, I am a holistic psychiatrist and would consider myself a functional medicine physician, though the individuals that are coming to me have brain-related symptoms. Many of them also have many physical symptoms, and their brain-related symptoms and their physical symptoms are coming from the same root causes. Those may be related to inflammation, toxicity, disruption of the microbiome or the trillions of microbes in the gastrointestinal tract, nutrient deficiencies, and yes, trauma and stress can contribute as they can to any health condition, including heart disease, cancer, and so on. So in my work, I'm all about seeking out the root causes of symptoms 
again, even of depression, anxiety, ADHD. And if someone's primary symptoms are depression and anxiety, that's when I believe questions should be asked and not that being the end point. When someone looks healthy but has extreme fatigue and normal labs, there is still a problem. So what is the experience of many patients? And I speak to this having heard the encounter of many of my patients, but I've also experienced this both personally in pursuit of answers for my own health and for my that of my daughter. So many people who have been on the receiving end of this very uncomfortable dynamic with physicians would say they don't feel heard, uh, they don't feel comfortable telling their doctor their symptoms, they don't feel believed, they don't feel validated, they may feel dismissed or humiliated, they may feel like they're being treated like a child, they may feel worse than they did before they went in for their appointment. They may start to doubt their symptoms and start to feel more isolated, especially if their physician communicates to their family members that they don't think that the problem is real or if they suggest that the symptoms are more related to anxiety or depression. Again, this can worsen someone's feeling of isolation and make the person more fearful of speaking up. Worst case scenario is someone feels blamed for their symptoms. Either they're not exercising enough, um, they're not eating properly, and this can be especially the case if someone is dealing with secondary weight issues uh, and or lack of fatigue or even cognitive issues that are impacting their ability to work. So if someone's had this experience, then they're also often experiencing their physician is not listening, telling them what to do, not interested in what they think, treating them for something entirely different than they've come for, again, depression or anxiety, discouraging them from seeking out answers and looking for answers online, for example. Physician reflects a lack of openness to learning more. They may not make referrals. They may not recommend other testing. They may, again, shut down someone's concerns. Especially toxic is if a physician is engaging in gaslighting. And this is a form of power and control that leaves the victim of this questioning their sanity. It erodes the person's self-esteem and is considered a form of emotional abuse. This would be if if someone's expressing a feeling or concern, or in this case, a symptom, and they're told that what they're saying isn't true, that they must be confused, that really they're fine, or in this case, it could be that they're being told that they're anxious and depressed, that it's just stress, they're just anxious, all the ways that it can be said that it's, quote, just in your head. So is this really a problem? Uh, does research suggest that, that this is a problem, or am I just speaking on behalf of, uh, again, the people that, that have experienced this, that I've spoken to, and also, again, my own personal experience? And there is plenty of research, especially when it comes to Uh, the differences in gender, 
And without going into great detail here, and there's plenty of this research out there, and there's been a couple of books written about it that I will link to in the resources. But it has been shown that women wait longer for pain medications, that women wait longer to be diagnosed with cancer, they're more likely to have symptoms ascribed to mental health issues, they're more likely to have heart disease misdiagnosed, or to become disabled by a stroke, that women are more likely to have their illness be ignored or denied by medical professionals. One study showed that women who went to the ER with, a, with severe abdominal pain waited 33% longer than men with the same symptoms. That weight could make the difference in whether um, someone lives or dies, but it also speaks to how gender bias can be at play, and this doesn't have to be malice, it doesn't have to be intentional, it can be very unconscious that when a woman is perceived as anxious or depressed that her physical symptoms um, are much less likely to be taken seriously. Women do, for example, have a significantly higher mortality rate from heart attacks than men, um, again, likely because men are treated faster. And one might argue that men may be more vocal in expressing their needs, and this could be true, and it could be true that uh, women have been conditioned to uh, find that their needs are better met if they are, quote, good girls and behave than if they do speak up. Some of this comes out of history. Hysteria originated from the Greek word uterus. Plato described the womb as a voracious animal wandering the female body and sucking its life force. In the early modern era, the attention was switched to the nervous system. And again, this comes with the discoveries. So illness in women was due to weak nerves. Then in the 20th century, with the discovery of the endocrine system, uh, raging hormones became the uh, source of blame. So it's important to keep in mind that med medical education was built upon this history and that medical education, even now, is largely based on the 70-kilogram male, that that is the standard with which everyone else is considered to be uh, a variant of so know that for most doctors, again, there's not necessarily malice as much as ignorance. And this ignorance is pervasive and contributes to an implicit sex and gender bias in medicine. And again, this leads to misdiagnosis, neglect, patients being labeled as complainers or being accused of being anxious or labeled depressed. The research that has gone into illness and treatments of illness is another factor that points to the why this is such a pervasive issue. Women simply haven't been studied. It, women were not included in clinical trials until the 90s. So keep in mind, for example, I'm 53, so I went to medical school and finished in 94 and then finished my fellowship and residency in 99. 
So everything I learned in my own medical education was based on the research of men. Uh, women, however, make up 70% of chronic pain patients. Most women, who, most uh, patients who are dealing with the chronic health conditions that I mentioned are women. And while in medical school, I never learned of this knowledge bias, nor have any of the other physicians my age or older, or even those who are being educated now, which I'll talk about. But the reality is, and those who are researching women, know that women experience symptoms differently, women experience pain differently, women and men respond differently to the same medications. It was not until the early 90s that women were included in drug trials. And the reason argued for why women were left out of drug trials was because of their hormonal fluctuations and there being a potential that women, a woman could be pregnant and thus there could be harm to a fetus. So in 1993, it became law that women would be included in clinical trials. It wasn't until 2016 that the NIH had a policy requiring that sex be considered as an important biologic variable in both animal and human studies. So even the animal studies only included male animals um, for the same argument that hormones could impact the studies, which again, <laughs> it doesn't, none of that changes the reality that um, women and men have hormonal fluctuations and that, that these exist mean that they should be considered in research. But that was the argument for leaving women out of research. It was in um, 2017 that the NIH said they would only support trials that um, gave reports of treatment responses by, by sex because just saying women would be included in studies still doesn't differentiate the difference in, in how one might respond, for example, to a given medication. So again, gender bias is completely present in medicine, and it's not unlike systemic racism Though people aren't comfortable talking about it, we are all susceptible and all participating in this at some level. Other factors when it comes to not being listened to and heard beyond gender bias would also be hierarchy that exists in medicine, and that's something I look forward to doing another podcast on. Um, but just the simple fact that doctors are given the title of doctor and that patients refer to their doctor as doctor as opposed to their names, those linguistics right there set up a hierarchy. And that hierarchy is not helpful, I would say, in patient care and not helpful in supporting people being able to comfortably talk about their symptoms, their feelings, and their concerns and their questions. The other reality at play, which those of you who are familiar with functional medicine are already well aware of, is that traditional medicine, the focus is on identifying symptoms, giving a diagnosis, 
and then prescribing largely medications and not necessarily looking at what is the root cause. Sources of toxicity, sources of inflammation, nutrient imbalances, trauma, be it physical trauma or emotional trauma, are not, are not pursued. And for many people with complex chronic illness, uh, many of these different variables can be at play. So when you have a system where the goal is to diagnose and then prescribe a treatment rather than look at the root cause, then when someone's not responding to your specific treatment, then you don't have answers. You don't have anywhere to go. But to go to the fallback, which again is often labeling the person with an anxiety or depression diagnosis. So there is a push to getting more of this education and gender competence into continuing medical education and into medical schools, but currently teaching about sex and gender differences is not required for accreditation, and um, it is left up to each school, each medical school. So what can we do to advocate for our own health and that of our children And I'll be talking about this in in more detail on my live call. If you want to dive deeper, know that that's available to you. And you can visit my website at CourtneySnyderMD.com to learn more about my live teaching. So what can you do? The first and highest priority, I would say, is to practice listening to yourself. Learn to trust your gut, your intuition. This could involve journaling, It could involve seeing a therapist, so you have a sounding board if you feel like you don't have a close friend or a family member who is not also closing down your, you know, what you're trying to express. Take walks, be off social media, have time alone, reflect, whatever it takes, but it takes practice. And it takes practice speaking up and speaking your truth. So know that this doesn't come all at once. If you're struggling with communicating with your physician, write down your symptoms, write down your concerns and questions. Try to be as effective as you can in communicating. That doesn't mean that it's your responsibility or that you're to blame if they can't hear you. Just know that you've done your part. And for any of us, if we're given a lot of information, it can be difficult to make sense of what's going on. So to the best that we can summarize and bring clarity, um, we can be helpful to our doctors in this way. We can also ask for a referral if we recognize that this is not something that they're going to be able to figure out. We can recognize their time limitations, but that doesn't mean that we have to let go of our truth and our needs. In our own mind, we can change the narrative from I am wrong or I'm unworthy to uh, my doctor is not equipped to be effective for me and my condition or the medical model is not something that is serving me well and we need to keep in mind that doctors are not everything to everyone. Um, They're going to have their own skill set and their skill set may not meet what our particular need is. Don't hesitate to find another doctor. Remember that your doctor works for you. 
if you do want a partnership and more of a collaboration with your doctor or, and you want someone who can listen and who is open to learning and helping find answers, they are out there. Find a doctor who is not threatened by your learning and recognize, you know, if a doctor can acknowledge that they don't know everything, nobody knows everything, and doctors should be humble and able to, to be comfortable with that. If you feel guilty for leaving your doctor, know that your job is not to support your doctor's ego. And, uh, you know, that feeling could come from early family dynamics. Maybe you were in a situation where you felt like you had to take care of your parents' ego. Or maybe you have a narcissistic doctor and you know that they're going to be angry with you. Uh, if you do have that kind of doctor and they become angry with you having your own personal authority, then I would say that's even more reason to quickly um, find a, a healthier treatment relationship. If you find yourself where you are perpetually angry and hurt that your doctor is not validating you, and you think you should be able to convince them, uh, know that you're using needed energy for your health and healing, it's important to connect with others who've had similar symptoms and conditions and at the same time not follow, blindly follow their advice. We are all complex beings and so are our health conditions. So while there are a lot of online communities and that can be a great source of information and validation, uh, know that there will be people who are telling people what to do and giving treatment recommendations and again, if someone can't recognize the complexities of many of these types of health issues, then they are not going to serve you well. I think it's important to make meaning of your experience. There is a lot to be gained from learning to listen to yourself and to trust yourself. But for this experience, many people would not have what become really transformational experiences in their lives and really learning to develop a, ra a radar that is life-saving for them and life-saving for their children. And then lastly, and this may sound self-promoting, but I would say consider functional medicine. If you want to get to the roots of your condition, you'll need to find someone who is trained in looking at the complexities of chronic illness and there are more and more and more functional medicine doctors out there. And there are more and more patients out there who need functional medicine because our health conditions are becoming more complex as are the toxicities in our world, uh, stress in our world, and the disruption to the microbiome and the increase in inflammation. So there are many doctors who are starting to learn about these things, usually because they have been touched personally in their own health or in that of a family member's. Now, I would like to comment on controversies related to what I'm talking about. Stress does worsen health conditions, and lowering stress helps health conditions. That doesn't mean that ascribing stress and anxiety and depression as the cause of someone's health conditions is is the answer. You wouldn't recommend 
that someone with heart disease simply go see a therapist or a psychiatrist. Sure, they may benefit from lowering the stress in their lives and that can help their health condition, but you would not ignore uh, or diminish or minimize the fact that they have an abnormal EKG or that they're having chest pain. Largely what I'm referring to in this podcast is women who have chronic health conditions that are not getting addressed, some of which are getting worse over time. With children, they are in important developmental stages of their life, and if their health issues aren't able to be addressed, uh, they will become much more likely to be lifelong conditions. So who could this information be helpful for? could be helpful for those with complex, complex chronic health conditions that I mentioned, um, who have not felt heard, and it could be helpful for mothers of children who fear their child may be on the autism spectrum or who is exhibiting unusual symptoms that are not being taken seriously by their doctor. This information, and I'm hoping support, can be helpful for people who love someone with brain-related con- symptoms or with a chronic complex illness or who simply want to understand and learn more and not prejudge or assume that the doctor knows everything. This could also be helpful for any physicians who want to learn and grow in their ability to help and to do what I would say is the very first thing. Hopefully all doctors are learning. I know when I went to medical school, on the very first day... And the very first words that were spoken were, do no harm. So if you'd like to learn more about this or other topics that relate to brain health, functional medicine, or how we can advocate for ourselves and learn to listen to ourselves, I'd invite you to my website at CourtneySnyderMD.com.